And we're live. This is World's Strongest Opinions, episode 50. And today we're joined by Lucas Hardy, Range of Strength on Instagram, Atlas, Atlas Power Shrugged on Instagram. And Emmanuel Pescari is actually filling in for Darren today because Darren is under the weather and had a late work meeting. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank yeah, you. Hello. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, Emmanuel was saying that he was a big fan of both of you. So he jumped on the chance to get to speak with you all. And it was great that you all agreed to be on the show. We yeah. even spoke in the last episode about uh, both of you. Yeah, I'm forward doing some stuff with Atlas here. We've been... Yeah, it's, it's crazy to hear like a, an actual strongman <laughs> describe himself as a fan of me. It's definitely mutual. I'm uh, definitely um, in awe of some of the stuff you do, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. uh a couple months ago uh through Instagram. So I don't know much about your story. Like we've just had some back and forth discussion there, but it actually would be cool to I think you were just the guest on their podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like you have a background and now like through our interview, like you're looking to get into flexibility training and explore that avenue a bit more. So yeah, I just I haven't uh, heard that side of your story yet, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's if if I really have to start somewhere, it's in 2019. Um, I had some major injuries, and there I had a really huge setback in mobility and flexibility, and even end range strength, which. Uh, took quite some time to to get rid of and to fix and just as a to say some example what what uh, it cost in 2018 i was able to do a 180 kilo log so a log lift with 180 kilograms that's around or almost 400 pounds and after 2019 after my injuries i couldn't even clean and press 130 kilo you know, with the log anymore. So it was so, so devastating. I couldn't really uh, raise my arms overhead. And luckily I found, um, now he's a really good friend of mine and he helped me also recently. Andreas Leib, who is uh, going and he's working a lot with correctives, but he's also a huge fan of flexibility and mobility training. And he helped me to get rid of that. And now over the years, I really started to, to see a connection between flexibility, mobility and strength, and especially to, to um, get stronger in those end ranges. And somehow I also, the more I got uh, into this topic, the more I found it's not only about being like in one plane of motion, like only most of the time we as strength athletes, we only sagittal plane, but it's also rather to work in like the frontal plane and also transversal plane. So this means to really utilize all the possible uh, uh, directions and movements of the spine. So especially of the spine. So not, not only to be an anti-rotation, anti-flexion and extension, but also to really embrace the flexion, the lateral flexion, and the extension. And yeah, 
you both, <laughs> I think you are the primary move, uh, examples of this movement and the, the, the capacity and the strength and the control in these endrages are really incredible, especially Paul Atlas, you with your um, Stiflega Zerka starting from the floor. It was insane. And uh, yeah, Lucas, you know, I'm B, I'm now in your membership program and I'm uh, doing as good as I can do the basics and I follow you. It's also crazy, really crazy what you can do and the splits and German hang and all this stuff is, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And I think there, if we are connecting these dots together, we can really uh, get way better than we think we, we would ever be if we are not connecting everything together. Yeah, that's a good share. I, yeah, I think Atlas and I can relate with your story as well, too, because I know we come from a similar kind of background like I did, uh, powerlifting, uh, strength coach, just, you know, having that mindset and that, uh, that kind of one-way approach to things until sometimes you just end up kind of pushed against a wall with no other options. And then you start <laughs> saying, like, well, I haven't really looked deeper into some of this stuff that I'm saying I don't really believe in. And uh, I think that was the big change for me too. When I actually started getting into gymnastics and flexibility training and then realizing there's this, this whole other world of movement. And um, it really opens a lot of doors if you come from that kind of strength sports background, but you can always bring it back. Right. And then it's kind of seeing guys like Atlas now, like, you know, 315 stiff-legged searcher, and just seeing how strength can evolve and, and shape and mold through like these different ranges of motion. Uh, and it's a cool journey. So that's, that's cool to hear. It's cool to hear from your side. Thank you. Thank you. I can relate to most of that, except I, you know, I was sitting there listening to, I, I could barely uh, overhead press 130 kilograms. <laughs> like, Oh man, that just sounds horrible. I, I I can't imagine not being able to overhead press 130 <laughs> kilograms. That that would just ruin my day, you know. <laughs> so I couldn't relate to that part quite so well. But um, the rest, yeah, of you always have to to put in in uh, relation, you know. <laughs> so for me, it was a really big drop off, and, and it took me quite some time to get back. And last year, I was uh, finally able to to go to 190. So I, I'm actually the world record holder in the U105 class. And I'm preparing now next week to to break my own record again. So <laughs> we'll nice. see how this works. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, that's absolutely insane what Emmanuel can do. But it was <laughs> nice kind of a lead up to this episode of because he was talking about that, trying to almost like bring back like the older strongman way of lifting. Cause I know Atlas is very big on talking about like, there was this age where people were doing like Arthur Saxon doing these things that were insane before the age of like anabolic steroids and everything. There's a, there was this massive like amount of mobility. And I think these days, sometimes people tend to both frown on like a lot of times the string sports is kind of a meme of people frown on both cardio and mobility. It's kind of like the thing they're like, oh, I just can't do a front squat or I can't do a front rack. I just can't do these things. So I think it's a huge testament when you have someone as well muscled as like Emmanuel Pescari doing these things. Cause that's usually the excuse is I'm just too strong to be mobile. And it's like, when you have that dichotomy, that's a, 
easy path to entries and stuff. So it was interesting seeing that. It's probably just an easier avenue out to say like, you know, I, I'm, I'm this strong, so I can't do that stuff rather than actually seeing if you put some work in because it takes a little bit of work. Right. So it's, is that fine balance? And I think the, what Emmanuel's connecting with is that it's all strength training really. Right. And that's, that's the thing that I uh, was kind of battling with is that like flexibility was just this passive endeavor, you know, it's just a waste of time. You only, you only need mobility training. And then you come to kind of realize they're, they're both of the same. And we've just kind of created all this terminology uh, as the industry has grown and changed and flexibility training has been around for hundreds of years in, in the forms that we presented it now, but yeah, you kind of come full circle and realize like you make those connections. You're like, wait a second, this is all strength. And I, this could just fit in more seamlessly with the other things that I'm doing. And, you know, that that's, I think where we're starting to make some change and open some eyes for a lot of people is just realizing it's not that hard either to make these changes or implement these things into some things that you're currently doing. Um, and it's just a matter, I think, of just like changing that mindset a little bit. It does make a huge difference because it is, I think, oftentimes the importance is like challenging, like those ideas, because so many people like my friends who are powerlifters sometimes like all they train is squat, bench, deadlift, and sometimes accessories. And it's like, that's all one general plane of motion. So it's interesting to like, see you do those things of like the pancake splits. That's like an astonishing feat to like witness those kind of like mm-hmm. insane things. Yeah. And then Atlas here, that's stiff leg searcher was like, it's amazing how many people will say for some reason, the rest of our body adapts to stress and adapts yeah. to situations but for some reason our backs and our knees just like can't do these things yeah not, not the spine the, the spine <laughs> the spine as what's as squat university would said the spine is literally just for just like withstanding load and holding yeah. you in a neutral yeah. position now the textbooks would tell you that the spine that the spinal erectors extend the spine but what it actually does is keeps it straight you know? <laughs> maybe the textbooks are right maybe you know, maybe the textbooks aren't wrong about that, man. That's true. Yeah. It's like that. That's one thing I was going to ask you, Lucas, of your opinion of Squat University or your athletes going after them. <laughs> I was like, it's always fun. I mean, it's been interesting to watch his uh, like following evolve over the years because I was a, a follower, a follower of his. Uh, many years ago when he was putting out just some basic information and, you know, like, I mean, who isn't going to see that name and be like, Oh man, squat university, this guy's got to know what he's talking about. And I think in those early days with his stuff, he was putting out some pretty good things. And then it like, I had that conversation with Atlas kind of the yesterday morning. I don't remember when you're talking about Nordic is this, just start posting because it's a popular thing or, you know, directing attention, you know, around certain things. Like it just wasn't as helpful anymore. There wasn't any value there. And then the misinformation behind things. So then it's like, okay, we're going to say that, you know, you shouldn't Jefferson curl and we're going to drop all of these uh, research papers, which I think he was actually wrote one of them. And it wasn't even, in, it wasn't even in a journal that was actually considered 
legit. Like it was just like a magazine public, like all this stuff just starts coming out. Oh my God. And yeah, I think I, I don't follow him anymore, to be honest, but <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that has been entertaining. You know, like Alice called him out this morning for the Nordic because, you know, it's one thing that, to like call guys like us like ego lifters and you know we're just doing it for attention without really understanding any of the process but it's another thing to just like make a post about an exercise that's popular amongst certain crowds because you want to draw some attention or whatever and then yeah you make the post and you're like this guy's clearly never done a nordic curl before uh yeah. so- people may disagree with me on that but i mean i i think it's pretty clear he hasn't done them i I can't imagine anybody who's ever tried them. Like just, yeah, buddy, just grind your knees into the ground. Um, I mean, yeah. And then um, just having the band set up that way, it's going to slip off, man. You can't, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does them, but I, I sure think he's never done one before. Just thinks because he's, you know, coach Julius Maddox or whoever in something that I guarantee isn't a Nordic curl or Jefferson curl. He thinks he's, Qualified to speak on any exercise there is, you know, stay in your lane, man. I'm not going to tell anyone how to do a, how to do a, a snatch. You know, if I ever start telling anyone how to do a, a snatch or a, a jerk, you know, call me out. Cause I have no idea how to tell anyone any of that, you know, even Kelly snatches. <laughs> okay, Kelly, well, I, th- I thought I knew how to Kelly snatch until, uh, until, uh, Mike, Mike, I got on the scene. Apparently <laughs> he just pulls up to it. Bound, like, dude. First try. Me and Grayson are just like, you know, lifetime achievement trying to just like compete with each other to push the the record just a little bit higher, and then he just first day just mocks us into the shadow realm. Man. Yeah, like, our yeah. lifetime achievement just like crushed like a bug, dude. Yeah, it's quite a an impressive foundation in Olympic lifting. So it has been cool to see him experiment with some of the old time lifts because uh, he also did the two hand anyhow. Um, which is like one of the heaviest recorded ones. Like, well, obviously like it has never been recorded around that weight. Um, but you know, you see him throw the weight up and lock his arm out in that one arm. And like, he just, he does have a very strong foundation in Olympic weightlifting. And it would be cool if some of the Olympic weightlifters that have achieved such a high level experimented with some of these lifts a little bit more. And, you know, one to actually even talk about is uh, Club, Dimitri Koklov. He's experimented with some of these lifts, like, for fun. And he's gotten pretty close to some of the best. And I've even, like, looked at them and, you know, like, some of the people that have taught me some of the old-time techniques. And then, like, looking at what he's doing, he's not even really using the old ways. He's just throwing weight over his head. And he's got yeah. good, pretty good mobility. Power snatch. That, that was that's ridiculous. Yeah, he, I, what was it like 225 just a one-hand power snatch yeah just throws it out. yeah we i presented that power snatch technique um charles rigolo he's still the one on record as the heaviest one-arm power snatch and there's footage of him doing power snatch or doing sorry not power one-hand snatch there's footage of him still doing it and you can see this very strong rotational pattern in his catch like he, he actually jumps Twists in the air when he catches it, and uh, forget the strongman's name. It's very hard to actually pronounce his name too. Miko, uh, I forget his name. Shiflikov, I think so. I shared the clip of the Russian dude. Yeah, he was yeah. 
he was attempting it and he was trying to catch it in a split snatch. Um, he was very close, but I, I wonder if he could have actually, I wonder how much he would have been able to lift if he was able to move in that same way that Rigolo did. Yeah, that would make a huge difference because it's interesting to like see, because Atlas was saying for the longest time it would be nice to see high-level strongmen push some of these yeah. movements and stuff because you see, what was it, uh, Igor Klinman or what's, Oh, it's Igor, the guy who did the... Kliminov? Kliminov, yeah. Igor Kliminov. Yeah, yeah. His, his 190 kilos, the uh, Arthur Kliminov oh, yeah. or whatever, the behind the back. Just, like, watching him just roll it up and then, like, get it into position. That's, yeah. Like, well, that's yeah. that's not even the, the hard part. The hard part is just yeah. having... is being able to get it over your hips. I, oh, yeah. That that part is just having having the explosiveness of probably arm length matters there, but just having the explosiveness to generate all that power, get out of the way and then get back under it, you know, without yeah. just getting kind of it, it. I mean, the moment it starts to slow down and turn to a grind, you're done. That I mean, it's just a lot of raw brute force to get a weight over 400 up in that manner. But I think I think the main issue here would be with strongmen and olympic weightlifters is the body awareness because i think olympic weightlifters are way more aware of their joints and positions in the room than actual strongmen because they're strongmen like what i'm seeing mostly is they're just relying or pure strength you know it doesn't matter if the joint is i don't know internally or externally rotated if the hips are anterior tilted or posterior tilted they're just purely strength and just with brute force, you know? And it doesn't matter how the weight goes up. Important is the weight goes up. But for Olympic weightlifters, they're just way more precise, you know? And especially with their movements and with their hips, how their hips have to be, because you have this uh, first pull and the second pull, like, for example, in a, in a, in a clean. And that's, I think, that the... the huge difference between olympic weightlifters and strongmen and why for example igor can do such a feat with with the uh offer uh, lift yeah definitely yeah, i do think the, the i think the arthur lift actually i think it would lend itself more to strongman i mean it's more technical than it's more technical than some things but it's not it's not on the level of a, of a clean you know it's i think i think somebody's got a lot of brute strength with some practice could figure it out you know yeah. you, i mean let's put it this way you're uh, you know, a strong man with a lot of brute strength is going to figure out how to Arthur lift 450 before, or I, what I mean, I guess 200 kilograms. A strong man with brute strength is going to figure out how to Arthur lift for uh, 200 kilograms before they're going to be able to clean and jerk it. I would say, yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's that's actually an interesting debate too, because I mean, not strong men specifically, but there was that uh, debate I think last month or so. It was around like. Could be power called powerlifting and vice versa, and then there was some good discussion around that. And uh, I didn't talk to too many people about it, but did you guys have an opinion on that? Like the whole idea of like changing the terminology, or why do you think one is one or the other? Well, I, I think, think in <laughs> Atlas. Say I mean, I think I think the uh, thing with powerlifting is it just came about when those terms were used differently. I don't think anybody in, I mean, it was the, the late 40s that came about or late 40s or early 50s. I mean, I think 
I think people are using the term just a little bit differently than they probably weren't thinking, you know, they, they probably weren't thinking of the, the physics definition. They were just talking about property power as a, you know, as opposed to obviously Olympic lifts are extremely technical. So I think, you know, I think it's just an artifact of the time that it was, um, mm. uh, I mean, we all know what, what that means. So. Yeah. But it, Zach, Zach Tellender, I think is his name on YouTube. He did a, a really interesting video about that where he explained, okay, where is weightlifting coming from? And uh, so when it started also, um, and when powerlifting, uh, when started powerlifting and how these terminologies were used back then, but how we are using or understanding these terminologies today, because there is now like completely the contrary. If you're thinking about only the term itself, powerlifting, it would be, it would tend more to go towards Olympic weightlifting mm. and vice versa with uh, weightlifting and uh, squat, bench, and deadlift, for example. So I think it's just a definition uh, issue. Yeah, for sure. And I think also, too, we're thinking of the lifts that they're doing because it is non comparable because they're doing completely different lifts. So who could? the most amount away with the most amount of speed at the end of the day like because uh, i don't know if, if i mean if the rules are created in such a way and, and power lifters uh, work towards the heaviest amount of weight when for the most part when they use the weights that olympic lifters use they're using them most likely the highest level power lifters are using them with much more force and power and speed than probably even The, the Olympic lifters are using too, unless we're getting to a range of motion discussion, which is different, but it is kind of funny if you have those different views or thought processes with it, because powerlifting is that pursuit of that absolute one rep max of strength. There's no real power kind of uh, component to it, but if they were to use, if we were comparing speed and strength, like power wise, like with weightlifters, it'd be interesting to see how the speed matched up on similar weights mm -hmm. i think that makes a big difference i think what is a i forget his name strongman archaeology had a good post talking about that because he was saying why olympic weightlifters should try powerlifting sometimes because he was saying like the powerlifting numbers at the top are exponentially higher but i think an interesting point is thinking of and emmanuel and i talked about it of trying to glean skills from all different disciplines and everything, yeah. because at the end of the day, it's interesting when you see some of the best athletes out there are people who have that technique and that speed, because it's interesting to see how that body awareness works of Zach Tellender, one of his friends, I think Dylan or Dozer weightlifting on Instagram. He had a thing where people, they were like, your overhead press must be amazing because you can clean and jerk 140 kilos or whatever. And he was like, then he had a clip of him just grinding out 70 kilos as a strict <laughs> press and everything. And he was like, it's a completely different skill set. But it's yeah. interesting when you think of trying to combine those skill sets, because at the end of the day, I think there's things to be gleaned from like all different sports. Whereas I think sometimes it can be, I guess, because that's the way the internet works. It's very easy to kind of pigeonhole yourself or be like, this is what I do. Like, yeah. and people are so dogmatic when you have someone like squat university, 2.8 million followers consistently telling people this is a bad movement. This is a good movement because that's one I always love is when he's like, 
this movement, if done improperly, can be dangerous. And I was like, what movement does that not apply to? Right. <laughs> like, I've never heard of a movement that if done improperly wasn't somehow unsafe mm -hmm. with high load. Because like uh, Jeff Cavalier, who's kind of diminished on YouTube, did the same thing of saying like, with improper load and improper technique, good mornings are too dangerous to do. And it's like, that's literally every single movement if overloaded with a proper technique. Absolutely. Like I, I can't think of one heavy movement that wouldn't be dangerous. Absolutely. I made that post about the guillotine press a couple of days ago, and that was the same. It's the same thing, right? Because I, and it's mainly because I posted it in my story. And, you know, I was, I was being a little, you know, I was saying, you know, your shoulders feel like shit because you probably only bench press one way. Right. And then a lot of that's a lot of us kind of get into that habit where we just stop benching because, oh, it just doesn't feel good. And my shoulders are shit. It's like there's so many ways you can bench press. Mm -hmm. And if you're always doing it, the one, you know, I was just making it, but just making that pose is the same thing. It's like the guillotine press is only unsafe when load exceeds capacity. And that's the injuries I've heard on that exercise or any exercise is what happens. I was using too much weight. I was being an idiot. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> time and place we're using it for and the, the thing is people also forgot or forget it's not only about uh, multi-joint movements it's also about the uh, isolation movements because like one exercise which cost a lot of biceps is the the uh, scott curl and or the preacher curl mm. the preacher curl i think it was where people are just using way too much weight and they're extending their arms fully, but never really going onto there and strengthening this end range. And after there is one bicep gone, or maybe there are even some videos where both biceps are, are tearing completely from the bone. Yeah. And that's a ju just a uh, single joint movement. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's true. Because I think, what was it? Joey Satsme on, I think he's on Juji Mufu's YouTube channel. They were trying to max out their preacher curl, which seemed like, and he, he hit 140 pounds easily and just like lets it go and then tries to hit another one. I was like, he tore his bicep right there. And just like watching that, I was like, that's a sketchy move to just be yeah. fully contracted and then just release and then catch it. But I think yeah. people oftentimes, yeah, you don't think of like preacher curls and Bench press, actually, just regular bench press is like one of the highest entry rate movements yeah. for like right. pectators and stuff. But no one's ever telling people don't bench press, yeah. but we'll yeah. consistently say like, don't do, don't deadlift, like don't do good mornings. Mm -hmm. Don't definitely don't zercher with your legs straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's funny. And like Emmanuel said, it's like actually exposing yourself those positions and those end ranges and actually getting them strong and that's i think a lot of what i teach and try to actually educate people on is how do we safely do that like how do we and that is the essence of improving your flexibility is like how can we actually safely expose ourselves to these greater ranges of motion and make sense of them? and you do have to kind of go to some weird places to learn this stuff because it's not it's not just like in the books, right? It's like, like, and that's always that people ask me, like, how did, how did you like get in, learn this stuff or get into this stuff? It's like, I had to go like find people uh, that were like teaching this and not really on social media, making a reel and advertising it, you know, it's like, who's, who's actually making people flexible and 
is anyone actually doing it with adults or people that are inflexible and teaching them how to do it properly? Because that's really the gap with mobility training and flexibility training is like, like how can we introduce it to someone where like you can make change and have them make sense of it. And it doesn't have to be this all encompassing thing that just removes you from thing that you love doing. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird thing is you like looking, looking up stuff online, there's so many different approaches and some of them look really like, is this even exercise? Like, what is this? And then, you get more of your stuff and it, yeah, it is, it is exercise. It's just kind of like, you know, you're in range, but you're actually exercising with, you know, some of the other kind of schools of thought on this is like, you know, what, what are we doing with like, we're rolling something into our muscle or whatever, you know, like what, what even is this? It just seems like there's a lot of chaos in, um, in the realm of like how you can go about that. Whereas like you know, most people agree more or less on how you actually build muscle. It's not super uh, esoteric. Okay. It kind of is with, with mobility in a lot of cases right now, at least. Um, we have access to so much content nowadays. <laughs> we just like see so many crazy things where it's like, really? Like, what is this? Uh, I don't know. I, I did share a YouTube episode recently on the evolution of mobility training. Cause I don't know where you guys were when this all went down, but <laughs> I was just the personal trainer working at a gym and it was like, one day you're just training people like, like you just train someone, right? Like we're going to get strong, you know? And then the next day it was like, everyone wanted mobility training. It was like, wait a second, what, what is mobility training? Like, what are we trying to do here? Right. And it does make sense. Cause we were pigeonholing ourselves into just using machines and, you know, it, we weren't getting out and moving our bodies and stuff, but I feel like we are coming full circle now again and kind of realizing a little more of what we need uh, to do the thing versus, you know, getting stuck in this very deep rabbit hole of just a bunch of random exercises. Because <laughs> you posted about that recently. I think two posts I really liked. The one was like, if your warm up looks like this, no wonder your squat feels like shit. Of that idea of so many people, their idea of like, mobility or move like warming up is just like foam rolling your like it band and just kind of like kind of half-hearted stretching or some people you talk about it of like doing too many mobility things where you're trying 20 different exercises yeah. to do these things because so many warm-ups on you'll see like some free programs and stuff out there that'll be like here's the perfect warm-up and it's a series of 10 different movements none of them taken to like a full range or anything just kind of like just do just do this movement 10 times, this movement 10 times, and you'll be warmed up without ever developing skill in any of those. It's just right. kind of like, how can you do it? Prep every joint before you touch a bar. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a funny one that was a, like, squat, you used to say that too. I don't know if he's still saying that, but he used to say like, you need a perfect body weight squat before you squat. And I was like, what? No, yeah. the squat is a loaded stretch. But actually loading the squat makes you squat better. <laughs> uh, I'll say that because I did see another post and he says something about like squatting heavy or something. It was very like opposite. And I was like, I wonder if he's like just changing his tone a bit because that was a terrible post. But there still were people being like, yeah. And I've talked to those people and they're trying to they're trying to perfect the body weight squat before they touch a weight. And I'm like, man, <laughs> like that's going to take you, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but, uh, you know, 
if you can get on board with like actually just getting into the lift or yeah, even that post with like, if your warm up looks like this, you know, it's, you know, beef your, like actually start sweating, like get into some exercise and start doing mm-hmm. some, or you're laying off three hours, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's- yeah, trying to get it with body weight only is it's not going to work. Like people were impressed with the fact that I did a, a three fifteen straight leg searcher, but here's the secret: I had to work up the three fifteen to keep my legs straight off the floor. It wasn't it was going to happen with body weight? I couldn't have done that with two twenty five. I couldn't have yeah. certainly done it with one thirty five. I just had to, you know, <laughs> work up to that weight and pray my hamstrings held on, which fortunately they did. You know, so yeah, you sometimes weight can actually help you more than body weight. Obviously, body weight's important. Yeah, because I tell people that with the Zarchers and everything, because so many of my friends are like, well, I'm going to get to the point where I can do like where one plate, 135, like where that pulls me to the ground and stuff. And I'm like, that's not the optimal way of like just consistently only doing the lightest thing for the stretch yeah. there. But it is this idea, that fear mongering thing of like, if there's any sort of like shifts in your movement or like, any sort of compensation that you should just go back to an empty barbell. And it's that <laughs> wild idea where he was saying like his, I think last year, sometimes I feel like he does it just to rile people up where he was like, you have two lifters, one lifter squats, 455 with perfect form. The other lifter squats, 600 pounds, but has a hip shift halfway up. 455 with perfect form is more impressive and everyone was like what are you talking about like like what is like what point are you trying to make and he's like that the 600 pound squatter would benefit from going back down to one plate and working up and i was like what are you talking about this minor hip shift like that's but people it's kind of like a lot of times with chiropractors and stuff when people think that's like the body can just snap in and out of place and like this one thing will like could ruin things like all the time people will say on i'm pretty sure everyone's videos of like oh good luck doing that like you're gonna need a wheelchair you're not gonna be able to do this in the future like so many people they're like i hurt my hip in college squatting so i've never been able to squat since then and i was like that's probably not the best way to manage your pain (laughs) with the movement no yeah Yeah. But but it's crazy yeah. because I recently, recently, a few months already ago, but until now, I got some notifications uh, or responses to my comment on a video where one guy, he was like, I don't know, I took, I think he took some uh, hardcore booster or something, but because at the end of the video, he took the hyper extension and threw it away. But anyway, um, he did hyper extensions so normal hyper extensions with a straight back and it was really solid really solid technique he also went uh, pretty far down but the only thing what he did he had a barbell on his back and i don't know how heavy it was he had a few bumpers there so maybe around uh, uh, 135 so uh, around 60 kilos or so Um, and he did until technical failure so he didn't go until muscle failures only until technical failure uh, threw the bubble away and after he, he threw the hyper extension away and in the comment section like people were going crazy like yeah uh, you will break your back uh, say goodbye to your discs and uh, you will uh, need a wheelchair and I don't know what you know and I was like 
it seems like in this comment section, no one uh, has any idea about uh, uh, strength training and and adaptation and stuff like that. And until now, I'm getting sometimes uh, responses because, yeah, but that's dangerous. And uh, he's loading his spine and I don't know what, you know, even though it was, he kept a straight back. It wasn't flexed at all, you know. So it's crazy how people are going and are, are in fear of moving heavy weights somewhere, you know. So, because that fear yeah. is real. Yeah. I mean, I think some of these people honestly need to just go ahead and hurt their backs, get it over with, so they learn how to rehab it. <laughs> it's not in the world and just like, especially get, get over when you're young, you know, go ahead and hurt your back when you're 20, you know, when you'll recover easily, learn how to recover, and then you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. I'm, I'm not advocating it, but I honestly think it would kind of benefit people because, I mean, that was, that was kind of my experience. I, I'd always heard that nonsense growing up. Um, so when I first started lifting, I, you know, I, I, I knew I had to train my legs, but I didn't want to hurt my back. So I was on leg press and I still managed to somehow pop my back. I guess I, I don't even know how to pull that off. I thought I was crippled for the rest of my life, but eventually I was just like, you know what, I'm already hurt. So let me just start doing stuff. And then I, you know, stumble on the rehab process and okay, cool. It's been, you know, I've been perfecting it and getting better and better at it, but you know, it's, it's nice to kind of have that with you from a young age. Just, okay, I've hurt my back. I've come through this. Okay, now now I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm I'm 30 and I I hurt my back. I'm I'm dead. Nope, mm -hmm. been there, done that. I've done that enough times that I, all right, you know, I've got the I've got the process down to the days. I know you know which day I need to do what. You know, it's you, you gotta just, it's, it's a life skill. You know, you especially your back. You need to learn how to rehab that. Probably good. To, you know, your knees are probably going to be an issue at some point. Got to learn what to do for them. You know. It's, it's a life skill you know you, you don't want to figure it out when you're 50 that's that's not a good time for it because <laughs> it and a lot of people do wait and the crazy thing to me is when people they'll get injured and stop doing something that's the equivalent of like most of us are stiff in the mornings when we first wake up and there are some trainers and people online who essentially what they're telling people with lifting is the equivalent of saying just lay in bed until you're warm enough to get moving like, just wait. And it's like, you would never do that. You'd be like, that's delusional. Like, I'm not just going to lay and do minor movements, just kind of wiggle for a bit until eventually I, like, don't feel stiff at all getting out of bed. You'd be like, that's a crazy thing to do. But people consistently, it is that idea, though, of like, oh, if you hurt your back, like, that's the one thing that just can't be rehabbed and everything. This, it's that one thing that you just can't fix. The sad part about this is that all that misinformation that gets put out off about and that actually does make us angry is that it really does affect those people because mm -hmm. those are the ones that hurt themselves and they can't friggin' get out of it because they're seeing all that shit. Like, Oh, well, I did my back doing that because nothing's guaranteed, right? Like, yeah, sure. You might hurt your back doing injection curl. I've seen people hurt their back doing perfect form deadlifts. Right. So, I mean, it's this, you know, throwing this misinformation bullshit out there, it does no good for anyone because any scenario, this shit could happen, right? And it's like, even just uh, this last month, there's been just like coaching banter about injury prevention. Like, oh, should we call it injury prevention or should we call it this? Or does this actually prevent injury? And it's like, this is not helping anyone because everything to some degree, if you're doing something, it's, it's preventing the chance of injury, like in some way, shape or form, 
And if you could do that better, if you could learn how to actually expose yourself to not, I'm not, not even crazy things, like just expose yourself to shit. You don't usually expose yourself to like reaching back. Oh, okay. I don't actually ever reach behind my body. I'm going to start doing that because if my arm goes back there, Oh yeah, I'm actually don't feel like I strained anything that much because I've been exposing myself to it. So it's just, it's silly. And it's, probably what upsets me the most is because I talk to those people too and they can't get out of this rut. They can't get out of this, you know, I hurt myself because I did that bad thing that someone said was bad and now I'm, I'm dealt with, it. you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I think that's the frustrating part of all the bantering bullshit stuff. But, but I can relate somehow to that because um, I had already some uh injuries um but i was still working with my uh, former coach when i tore my pack and he gave me immediately some things to do and especially from the very beginning said move your arm and try to to go to the end range as far as you can with a bit of pain is okay but don't uh, uh, let the pain exacerbate and that's what i did and like uh, um I can't remember if it was one week or not even one week after I benched already again. You know, even if it was just the dumbbells or 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 the barbell or whatever, I did the same movement again, which hurt me. And I slowly built after the tolerance up again to be able to to move again. So the first thing was anyway, range of motion thing to get to full range of motion again without any pain, but after also to load that range of motion and to do that movement, which hurt me to not have a, a mental blockage or, uh, or this connection to fear. Yeah. Something or but this movement might hurt me again. And that's when I realized, okay, uh, rehab is completely different than, than, um, than I thought it is, you know, and I'm doing the same. If I'm still getting injured, like I did this year with my hamstrings, I tore both hamstrings. Uh, but after I started again, like with Jefferson Curls, and I spoke of this uh, last time in the last episode, Jefferson Curls and uh, what I did else, I can't, I can't remember exactly. I even tried on the stone because I, I tore my hamstrings with a stone, with Atlas stone. <laughs> um, I even tried to do stones again and normal deadlifts and everything just to increase the range of motion and to not get into the this fear area again yeah that's actually the biggest component is getting yourself out of the idea that you can't do that shit anymore right yeah. like you're fighting the fear right away and uh, it's hard though yeah it's, people are consistently told of like i have relatives and like my older sister over this idea of like pain is your body telling you not to do this but like talk to my physical therapist because of tearing my meniscus he was saying you actually like a certain level of discomfort a three or four out of ten is actually like that's a healthy range and stuff because so many people they're like i won't do it until i feel zero pain doing this yeah and it's like that just keeps you stiff forever it's like saying like oh i'm not gonna stiff leg zercher 315 pounds until I can get 20 kilos down to the ground that low. Yeah. yeah. So. Someone posted a meme with that kind of idea. It was like person who's, you know, waiting until they're pain free to, and it's like showing them in a coffin. Like, yeah. <laughs> like really though, like there's always going to be some 
you know, form of stiffness or preferred whatever, you know, I have the broken rib, like I broke a rib when I was in my teens and it's actually turned into slipping rib syndrome. It's called So like my rib just like slips out on like I could be sitting here talking, I cough and it just like goes, it's the weirdest thing. Like, you know, I'll just be like that. And it's just like right away. I just got to work it out. Right. And it's like, I think I've just learned over the years that I just got to like, as soon as that happens, I got to almost like attack it. And it's like, if I'm attacking it, massaging it and moving and doing some exercises, like getting it back in place. And it's, you know, that kind of stuff people need to learn. And you get a little tweak or whatever, you start moving that shit right away. You start some blood flow in there and we start getting over the fear that you're screwed. Yeah. And you got to practice like practice rehabbing it and you kind of learn the difference between pain. That means, okay, I need to chill out and pain that is, you know, fine. You kind of want that. I mean, you know, there's the pain of a good stretch that is actually moving it through range it needs to go through. And then there's like, Hey, don't do this pain. And I mean, the only way to really, you can hear someone talk about it, but I, I don't know of any way to communicate it to someone other than personal experience. I mean, how do you, yeah. how, How do you describe that feeling in that good of a detail that you're going to be able to enable, you know, somebody you can't, you know, you have to get out there and expose yourself to the risk and, you know, gain some experience. I think it's a, it's an important part of life. But like I say, you want to, you really ideally want to do it young. So maybe you have some free time, maybe you're not trying to do it, you know, when you're at the peak of your career or when you're you know, older or when you have a family or whatever, just, it's, it's, it's a life skill. Just, I mean, building, I think it's, it's one of the, it's one of the huge benefits, I think, of lifting, you know, I mean, there's so many types of athletics that all have their own benefits, but I think um, lifting and, oh, I guess, I mean, lifting, I guess, combines with, you know, body weight and, you know, a lot of other disciplines, which, you know, the general fitness, the general lifting and resistance training, you know, gives you the best options for rehabbing. And I think that's one of the, you know, biggest lifelong benefits you're, you're going to get used to doing that. You know, you see a lot of like this, especially like old fighters, you know, martial artists, they're, you know, they're just like super impressive until they get that knee injury or whatever it is that they have no idea how to deal with. And then, then they're just done for the rest of their lives. You know, and that's, that, that's, you know, a sad thing. People need to you know, learn that life skill. Just like, I mean, that's one of the benefits. So it's probably, in, in fact, I would say in, in modern life, it's probably more important to just know how to fix an injury than it is to actually be physically strong. I mean, your yeah. life probably won't depend on being able to lift, you know, a 300 pound object. But if you catch an, opi- an opioid, adip- um, an o- opioid addiction, or just become like morbidly obese because you stop moving, well, you might actually die. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Because it is consistently, though, I think it's that that fear of people don't realize like that immobility can actually cause more injury, that not yeah. lifting those things. And it's interesting how many people I've seen will say you'll see random things online of like women who they won't barbell deadlift and stuff because it's dangerous. They just use 25 pound dumbbells and stuff because mm-hmm. there's this idea that if you're lifting more than 50 pounds, like every OSHA manual is like, you need two people. If it's over 50 pounds, your back has to be completely neutral. But you think mm-hmm. almost everyone at some point is going to have kids and you don't want mm-hmm. that to be the first time you're catching a hundred pound object. That's trying to run past you or like <laughs> trying to get your kid off the ground. You say you've never, you've never deadlifted more than 
50 pounds, but now your kid's lying on the ground and you have to pick them up to get them to bed or whatever. Like that's the first time suddenly now you have to pick up a hundred pound object. Or even to scale it down, to go to one of the uh, basics or basic principles from Lucas is like groundfulness, I think it's called. Um, when I had now issues with my knee sometimes, it's really hard to to just stay somehow on the floor to kneel or to sit down on the floor and just to play with your kid, you know. And if you have kids, you know, you really don't want to miss that out just because you, you have an issue you can't fix. You know, and it's like it's something so so simple to just kneel on the on the floor or to sit down on the floor. But if you can't do it because you have pain or you are restricted, you know, that's it's robbing you from your life quality and the, the time with your family because you can't enjoy it. That's that is like again, people that want to get in shape sometimes are like motivated and they they just want you to smash them, right? It's like, oh, man's like, I'm ready to lose weight and get fit. Like, let's go. It's like, okay, you spend 20 min minutes with them on the floor and that actually crushes them sometimes. And you're just like moving from one posture to the next and it's like actually teaching someone how to move around and actually be closer to the ground and understanding the importance of that quality in your life is a huge thing. And I lost that too as a power lifter. And that was... Uh, I went through an injury there and that was like, I think one of the biggest things that hit me hard, I was like, I, you know, putting on so much size and like strength to do these three things. And then, yeah, I was injured and I was rehabbing. And next thing I know, I had my young kids at the time. Like I, I wasn't able to navigate on the ground with them and stuff. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, <laughs> like a huge valuable thing to me. Like I want to be able to do this. And then you kind of have to reverse engineer just that. Like now you're reverse engineering just being on the floor. How can I just get better at being on the floor? Like, and then, you know, to me, that's where the, like the beauty of static stretching comes into play. And there's always still a lot of, you know, stuff around static stretching, like, oh, it's a waste or whatever. But like static stretching is your entry point to like any position you can't access. And effective static stretching, like actually being in a stretch uh, learning how to create contractions or isometrics in that stretch, creating a greater, like it's your entry point to all of the positions you can't access, even if it's sitting on the floor with weight in your hands, because you want to actually load sitting on the floor, like just very basic, uh, things. And I think that's where that really, that kind of stuff, um, that you don't do like most people actually haven't stretched like as much as people will say like oh stretching is useless it's like i used to say that until i stretched and i was like fuck i've never actually stretched <laughs> most I'm, people don't i'm sweating and i'm kind of like holy shit like that's that's how you stretch right and like my body quivering and i'm like figuring out yeah. but, you know, it's a totally different thing but it brings you back to a lot of these kind of grassroots movements that we should be able to access like yeah because people do i think oftentimes it's kind of like i was saying with the warm-ups of when they have 10 different things they do they'll do the same thing with stretching and they'll be like oh like 
even some like stretching apps and stuff, some of them will just be like, hold this for 15 seconds or a 20 count or something. And you're like, that's not enough time to do anything. This uh -huh. idea of you just like, you just kind of try to touch your toes for 15 seconds. Then you just kind of stretch your arms back for 15 seconds, twist to the side. And you're, nothing's held for any length of time. It's just no. kind of this like, get the blood flow. And it's like, that's mm -hmm. what your general movement patterns are for and stuff. Stretching is like that intensiveness of, like you said, that, part where like you do feel sweat and like there is actual movement there but i think it's kind of like as a culture for some reason we don't tend to stigmatize like overeating and stuff in the same way we talk about like over movement like so many people are worried about so a good post recently that was like too many people worry about overtraining. You have to be seriously, seriously going crazy to overtrain. Mm -hmm. And we're told like the general population routinely is thinking like, oh, I just trained too much. So like, well, I'm just super sore today. So I probably shouldn't work out until I stop feeling sore. And it's <laughs> like, that's not the best pattern to just be like, I'll just, I won't do this until it feels good. And it's like, there's almost nothing in life that'll feel good right away. That's worth doing yeah. and yeah. stuff. Because it's, it's like this kind of idea that I think a part of it, I mean, I don't, you would never want to get too political, but there is this weird thing that like we had a big crisis for several years and nothing was emphasized about daily movement, daily, like just being a more functional person. And I think it can be strange to like witness, like it's hard for me to like, I think kind of you were saying it makes you mad seeing these things. Because it's literally misleading thousands. And now the yeah. days with the internet, you're misleading millions of people by telling them this. This idea that like you can't move or you can't do these things. And routinely, if you're living an active life and doing these things, life's going to make you move. And if you're not prepared for it, like you think how many people, if your car breaks down or stalls out, how many people have the strength to push it off the side of the road or put it in neutral and like, do these movements or if you have a relative fall over that you don't want that to be your first time that you're picking up something that's the size of a grown adult is when right. you've had your grandpa fall over and you're trying to get them out of the shower and stuff so it's like this functional i think it's kind of was a meme for a while this functional strength but you really do want to have functional strength for those yeah. things so you don't necessarily need to squat 300 kilos like Emmanuel did after having knee pain just recently it felt like just like he's like well it was a bit of a grind at the top I'm like it just like went down yeah. and went up I'm like but, <laughs> but you have to keep doing those things and I think most people it's this idea that like once something doesn't work out well you just stop doing it right and stuff yeah I mean I think yeah functional strength has gotten a really bad rap because I mean people do silly stuff there's there's silly stuff out there that's called functional <laughs> I really do think there's such a thing as dysfunctional strength. I mean, I think you can definitely be strong in only certain areas and not the the missing links between them. And your strength kind of works against you. You know, like if, if all you're doing is training with a straight back and just trying to train, use kind of like doing a trap bar dead, deadlift movement. I'm not saying no one can ever do a trap bar deadlift, but if, oh yeah, you, you don't, you know, trap bar deadlifts are easier on the back, safer on the back, just do trap bar deadlifts. All you're doing is building it, you're building your strength to get you into trouble without building the strength to get you out of trouble. You know, you're strengthening yeah. your ability to, um, you know, to hurt your back. You, you're, you're strengthening up the legs and everything that you need to put more pressure on the back than it can handle. And then 
your back is just not able to do a lot of the stuff that it's supposed to do. I mean, I see so many people now are trying to get into it. They're sending me um, Jefferson curl videos like, hey, how does this look? And I mean, it's like it's, it's just like the guy that um, you, you guys saw the squat you video where he was he had this guy demonstrating the Jefferson curl and the guy's like, like the, the top the top like curls just a little bit and then everything else is just flat and over mm-hmm. so many guys like that they're actually trying and you know it's pretty much just the whole thing staying straight that's not normal um i mean i taught my my dad jefferson curls over the summer he, he's always been active he does a ton of yard work pulling weeds and stuff so his back bends naturally and you know my dad who's 70 is demonstrating you know much better movement qualities than a lot of you know 20 or 30 something lifters. These are fitness enthusiasts and their back is not moving the way. I mean, my dad's in great shape, but you know, like there, there's something wrong here. We're, we're creating, I think we're, we're a lot of this strength training is creating, you know, the ability to be dysfunctional. You know, if you, if you don't have everything, I mean, if you're just strengthening your ability to hurt yourself, that's not really that helpful, you know? Yeah. And to connect your both uh, points, um, one problem what I have with, especially strength training, I do, I do like, and uh, and I'm d'accord with what they're saying that if you're training over full range of motion, it's like a flexibility or or like stretching, sure. But the problem what I have with this is most people are not really training through a full range of motion because most people are training for like active muscular tension because they want to have a hypertrophy stimulus but they're avoiding the passive tension but like if you're going really through the full range of motion you are going also into this passive uh, tension because you will still produce enough tension to get a, a, a hypertrophy stimulus but also at the same time to get an exposure to greater ranges and where you can really uh, uh, use this stretch to to increase your flexibility. But the problem is most are not doing that. That's why flexibility for those people would be after really, really good because they learn how to go into this full ranges or into this end ranges. But yeah, just to to take some studies and to say, yeah, if you're just strength training and using full range of motion, uh, you don't need to to stretch. Yeah, but you have actually also to do that. And for example, you Atlas, you are like the perfect example with that, because like uh, you are using the full range of motion with everything, you know, and not like just with everyone. Like uh, some are saying for for uh, the bench press, just go where you can actively pull your arms and from there start your press. Okay, but you can pull your arms way farther behind, you know, <laughs> to, to, to really stretch your pecs. So. And that that full range of motion is key because like Atlas, you were saying how many people you see, the safe thing they tell you is, so you only trap bar deadlift, you only do leg press, like that's your leg movement, you only do barbell benching, and stuff and it's all these things that you're super strong in this range but there mm-hmm. are those times where you see people who they only ever bench with a huge arch so a slightly limited range of motion if you do hit maximal loads and it does go down that's where like those tears and stuff happen because suddenly you've right. literally never been in this range of motion before with any kind mm-hmm. of thing and suddenly 
that's where you hit this like maximal range. But I think it's this kind of like weird fear mongering of like Joel Seidman's kind of a meme about his thing of like, you don't train below 90 degrees for squats or whatever his weird thing that he was like optimal strength. But how, how many people just naturally do that with, if you only ever do leg press and trap bar deadlifts, you're never actually experiencing that full stretch. So suddenly it is one of those times where something is going to pull you out of place. And so many people have like, why, what's his name? Jeff Cavalier was so damaging is for a while. He was telling people that if your back didn't look like this deadlifting, it was dangerous. And he was using fake plates mm-hmm. to show he could do 500 pounds like that. And it's like yeah. most people like the funny thing is I, cause I saw someone a while back that the, I was like, you can lift with a rounded back and it's okay. Like you see, I'd say pound for pound, the best deadlifter in the world is John hack. And he literally just bends down and picks it up. His back does have like, flexion and they were like well he does that because he's a freak and i was like no he does that because he's strong and it's 900 pounds like you're telling me he can do a lift with this with his back slightly rounded at 900 pounds but someone at a commercial gym can't do a lift like that with just 20 kilos yeah oh man that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the um in the fitness industry the uh the, the inversion that we supposedly have with the top genetic elite performers, like, like not only are they better than everyone else, but suddenly like what works best for everyone else just magically inverts when we get to genetic elites. Like, yeah, that, Oh, well that works for them because they have, they're special. Come on. Like really they're, they're just, so, so everything just completely changes. Like, you know, they, they're supposed to do the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do. Whoa. Like it's yeah. the same thing for everyone. They didn't listen to squat you and they just did whatever they wanted and whatever felt good. <laughs> this, you know, John Hack's funny if you actually watch him like getting like it, it's funny but it's so true. He's like, this is what feels best for me. He's like, you know, I've tried everything and he's like, this form feels like it's the strongest form for me. So I use it. Like, yeah, I wish everyone did that. It's like there are so many ways you can approach it. And yeah, ideally, maybe you want to have some of those other variations in there that you aren't very strong at just to kind of keep the symmetry in there. But for the most part, that's really, and that was the old school, right? Troubleshooting strength. It's like, pick the barbell up this way, pick the barbell up that way. And then it's like all this self-organization is going on, right? Like one hand lifts. It's like the best self-organization ever. You watch someone try to figure out how to find the center of the bar. It's hilarious, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't even know where the damn center is. It's like, I need two hands. It's like, figure it out, man. Like, you got to... <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, it's funny when you see people that just go against the grain. They don't listen. And then they become elite level athletes and everyone's trying to figure out what they did. Oh, I just like did what worked for me. Oh, Okay. that's the main thing is what makes money is overcomplicating things because it's literally that meme of the bell curve where you have like the person with the caveman skull who's like he's like i just do what feels good and the person at the end who's the elite level i just do what feels good and then the middle person they're like this controlled meta-analysis of 10 people said that this is optimal so i'm doing this and you're like wait like that anytime in my mind, I've always thought like anytime you can't explain something without overcomplicating it, you don't fully understand how it works. Because mm-hmm. so many people, they'll be like, oh, you have to like do this whole process and you have to have read this study to show these like 
minuscule gains. And almost all of them are controlled studies where half the ones I've read, they let the people go home and do their own thing. So you don't actually know what those yeah. people are doing in this control. Like this person took this supplement, this group took this and this. We saw these results and I'm like, you don't know what they're doing for almost all the time. You just had them come into the gym and test these three lifts. They're like, this was 0.06% better than this. So this is the way you should do this movement. It's like, just do what feels good. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you actually look into them, I mean, they always end up being absolute trash. Like I forget what I was looking up. I, I just, just for kicks and giggles, I actually looked up a study on something somebody was talking about. And I was like, you know what? I bet they're going to have like, a, like five people or something. And I looked, I looked at the first study I got to on the topic. I forget what it was. There's like 10 people. I mean, in, if you learn in, in, you know, statistics course or, you know, any kind of, any, any kind of science class that teaches these things, they'll tell you that like 30 is like the rock bottom bare minimum you need to be able to apply these statistics appropriately. You can't do a study with 10 people. And you're this, you have the study published with 10 people and people are, you know, leaning on this saying that this is somehow like they're not even following the rules of science in a lot of these publications. Like, come on. Yeah, you know? that's why you can't train to failure is because 10 people trained to fail. Yeah, it didn't go well for them. Yeah. It didn't go well for this random group of 32 year old men that they took <laughs> this like controlled yeah. thing. They're like, they trained to failure every day and they didn't get as many gains as this other group, but we didn't keep them in isolated, similar like things. But yeah, I, think was, I think it was something where they did a, um, yeah. they did, yeah, they, they did the same, the same 10 people, just they ran through different, different conditions sequentially. And obviously, there's going to be an order effect there, which you would think you're supposed to, you're supposed to control for that. They didn't, you know. I'm just looking at, just like tearing this for this is trash. This is not even. I mean, I, I don't, you know, even if it was if it was good, there are still some issues. And you yeah, know, the scientific establishment just these poor professors are under so much pressure to just get research out there. I wouldn't blame them if they cut corners. You know, they got their families, you know, depending on them to bring home the bacon. And in seven years, if they don't have enough publications to get tenure. Goodbye. You're not working here anymore. You're probably not going to work in this town. This is probably not another university. Good luck working in your field again. Good luck supporting your family. I wouldn't blame these guys if they were making stuff up. So I, I, I take this stuff with a grain of salt anyway. But then you look at it and you're like, okay, you're not following any of the rules that you are supposed to be following to make this thing legitimate. Like, why, why are we, why are we even looking at that? And it, like, you know, when you get into exercise science, like to actually do it well we take so much resources i mean do we as a society really even need pump all those resources into like doing this well it, it would be it would take a lot to actually do exercise science correctly and i mean it's it, in, in many ways it's just as complicated as medical science it's just that you see that life or death isn't riding on it quite so much maybe we just listen to what expert practitioners who and get results in the field say you know maybe we don't try to yeah. do something you know would probably be too, too but, expensive to um you know to actually make it someone posted a, a strength for like a professional football team from like 50s or something and then it was like uh the caption read like this person never went to university this person never like they just knew how to strength train and make people strong. They, you know, were the strength coach for this football team for 10 years. First strength coaches uh, of the times. 
but it's it's funny because those days sometimes are kind of non-existent in a way where you get people walking out with their all their you know acronyms everything and so now you can tell all of these athletes how to get big and strong and you you don't do that and i mean i actually experienced it myself i spent 10 years working uh, for the canadian military and there's people you know uh, up above that are making all the calls and on the fitness side coming down and telling us they don't even exercise and it's like yeah. but people it is kind of this idea of i think kind of like i mean people it's the meme of like trust the science like tm like it's this this year or this like this constant appeal to like academic authority and Mm -hmm. stuff to this idea that you're listening to this person of like i remember it offended people a while back when um deadliest lift posted something that he was like experience is measured in pounds lifted not years studied or something and people they're like that they're like there are plenty of people who are great coaches who have never done elite level things and it's like sure they didn't they weren't the top of their tier but they're still doing it of like you wouldn't you wouldn't get olympic lifting training from someone who's never done olympic lifts who's just like read enough things and watched enough tiktoks that like they're just gonna do it yeah that's that's the thing like people people can't seem to grasp how to how to um differentiate that it's like yeah the the best coach in something isn't necessarily going to be the best athlete but that doesn't mean that it's going to be some skinny nerd it's going to be someone who is still a good athlete just not the absolute best like let's let's think i think bodybuilding is super easy you know because we have so many people who are supposedly bodybuilding experts they're experts in the right biomechanics to develop a certain muscle and then they don't have that muscle. You look at them like, okay, where is it? Oh, well, he, he doesn't have to know how. He, he just, he, he knows how. He just, he hasn't built it himself. Okay, well, like, now we have to, we have to explain, you know, through science maybe. Like, what is so special about him? Like, what, what, what are his special characteristics that prohibit him from building this muscle in the biomechanically correct way? Like, what is, what is it about him? Or, you know, we studied his genetics. Is he a rare genetic outlier that can't grow lats? Like, um, no, you're not. You're not going to expect the the um, the best expert to win bodybuilding competitions. He might be able to put on a lot of muscle and get lean, and he still doesn't look that great. Just kind of look weird looking, but he's got a lot of muscle. That that could be the expert, absolutely. But he can't build muscle with the techniques that build muscle have. Like we're, we're making the question here. Like how does how we have a more complicated problem that we need to solve for? Like why is this guy so? What, what's wrong with this guy that? these universally applicable techniques that he knows that are correct according to science, why don't they work on him? You know, it's just, but that, that's also the same with flexibility, you know, and to be honest, uh, that's why I uh, connected like with Lucas, because yeah, he shows that what he's speaking about, he knows his stuff and he also can show that he can go in a, in a split and has this crazy (laughs) uh, flexibility and stuff. And, yeah, at first, that's all what you're seeing from someone, you know, because you you can't run around and show your your certificates and your PhD or whatever and and put that into everyone's face. You know, you have to show with your body, especially in sport, that you are capable of what you are preaching, basically. You know, and if you don't look like that or if your actions don't show that, yeah, that's a big minus. Yeah. yeah. 
people yeah, do. I know, I know, um, I know what, what drew me was, you know, he's not just some guy who can do the splits. You know, he's also, you know, Jack guy who lifts and does the splits. I mean, you know, I, I have a hard time, like, identifying with somebody who, you know, some skinny guy that can do this. It's like, you know, I can't put my... I mean, is what is what works for him going to work for me? Maybe so. I really don't know. Does it even work like that? I honestly don't know. I mean, in my experience, I feel like I need a lot more weight tugging on me to get me into those positions than some people do. So yeah, that's why I'm gonna. That's why I'm gonna gravitate towards the guy who is lifting the weights. You know, has the muscle mass. You know, is actually, you know, I you know, doing the stuff. You know, that's. I think that's. Um, I mean, to me that that seemed like a better way to choose the correct expert and it turned out to be a pretty good decision. (laughs) And that's important though. It's like seeing people who can actually like demonstrate what they're doing because all the time there is this like appeal to science. I see people all the time, whenever you do like heavy shrugs, they're like, that's not the optimal way to build back muscles. You actually want to do cable reverse flies with like 15 pounds on each arm of pressure, but like heavy shrugs aren't like, how you build your back you're like what are you talking about that's that's actually not what the traps do that's not the function of the traps though <laughs> the function yeah. of the traps is about like i don't know a bit of a rose or something yeah it's and always the same people, and the same people say oh well you know the, the traps have a lot of androgen receptors so you know you have to you have to be on a bunch of trend to build to build big traps and oh well, you know man, <laughs> maybe there's a hole in your theory somewhere there don't oh. lift heavy anymore like honestly that's they just don't lift heavy. We got like a bunch of people on the cable machines and messing around with all these lines of pull, a bunch of gear, and then talking about like, this is how you make it. It's like, like if you actually want to build some like dense muscle, you gotta lift some heavy fucking weight. Like you gotta learn how to do that. And heavy is relative, like heavy to you, like, and that's what it is. It's always just this avoidance now of like lifting heavy. Like no one shrugs anymore. No one does heavy shrugs. No one. Uh, I'm actually teaching my older son how to back squat right now. And it's the funniest thing in the world because just he's pretty strong, like on benching and deadlifting. Like he's, he's got this potential, but we put a bar on his neck and he's like, how? How is this possible? This hurts so much. And I'm like, you, you got to take some time to build it up, right? You forget. And, you know, it's basically just everyone. No one does that stuff anymore. No one like takes time to like get used to the callus of getting strong. It's a, it's a callus, like getting used to lifting heavy weight. Yeah, it sucks. And you got to get used to it. But no one lifts heavy anymore. Man. Fun. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, everyone wants to be a bodybuilder, but no one wants to lift heavy ass weight. <laughs> It's like, but it is, it's this fake, but I think it's a part of it. I think a cultural shift to this constant, like not injury prevention so much as like injury avoidance, this idea that you can just go through life avoiding injury or avoiding discomfort to this point of like, oh, well, squats don't feel good. Just use the Smith machine or just do these hip thrusts or whatever. Like, and it's always that idea of it's weird because that's two ends of the spectrum you have people overcomplicating things to sell things but then you have people under i think a lot of people you'll see on instagram and stuff especially like main more mainstream fitness things i don't think they're actually showing the kind of lifts that they do and they don't program the lifts that they do but they'll say do this and you can look like me i've downloaded a while back chris hemsworth app 
and they're like, you can do Chris Hemsworth exact split and everything. For one, it's 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 three upper body days, one optional cardio day, and one leg day. That's his split. <laughs> that's supposedly his. And the thing is, half of it is like body weight stuff and everything. And you'll see these people are jacked, lean, like ten percent body fat, two hundred thirty pounds at like five foot nine, and they're like, oh, I did this with this body weight exercise. Like you, if you buy my program. You can look like Chris Hemsworth just benching three times a week or whatever. Yeah. And like that's not how he got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of this, some of these Instagram workouts, um, that, that, that's the stuff that's got me like calling people fake natties. Like, okay, you're doing a circuit where you're doing like a curl and then like a, I don't know, you're doing a curl and then a squat. Like nobody builds muscle that way. Okay. But, <laughs> Like you, you'd have to be on steroids to have any kind of muscle mass doing silly stuff like that. This is clearly just designed to show off your physique. It's not actually building muscle. Like you must be taking steroids because I know you're not building and doing the workouts you're showing on Instagram. Because especially those ones, yeah, the circuits where they're like, oh, you do a squat and overhead behind the neck press, and that's like working both those parts equally. And you're like, that's not. I, mean, I like behind the neck jerks, but that yeah, is good. Like, behind the neck jerks, but you'll the influencers will always do it. They'll be like, oh, you just do it with two. 25 pound dumbbells and you're yeah. like that's not leg stimulus like what are you doing like what is what is that even supposed to do and if, you know if it's a female you know always there's a certain camera angle that you know <laughs> we're, 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 we're selecting exercise for a very specific reason but i mean the males do it too like let me just mm-hmm. let me show you my biceps doing you know doing the curl and then i'm gonna like add i don't know a like a, 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 i don't know what you know they, they combine a bunch of silly stuff but yeah yeah, I mean, so much of this stuff is just clearly not not how you actually got there. Yeah, but then you but it makes that, money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got people overcomplicating it in silly ways, and then but then you've got the people that just say, "Oh yeah, got to get big on the basics," and so all we're gonna do is back squat, bench press, and deadlift. And anybody yeah. who tells you to do anything other than back squat, bench press, and deadlift is just trying to, you know, sell you fancy movements. So, Maybe we could do a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. Yeah. It's, it's hard to communicate a message online. That's consistent. But I know, I know how it feels, right? Like full-time coach. It's like, I, and it came to a point for me where I had to realize I connect the most with people when I talk about flexibility, but like, if you guys, you know me, like I love all of it. <laughs> like I love all of it. And it's like, I, I try to find a happy balance there, but like, that's where I connect with people the most is through flexibility. So it's like, yeah, find, finding ways to share content online where you can connect to the largest audience of people. Like you want to help the, the most amount of people that you can help too. And it's like, yeah, it, it can be a challenge sometimes to figure out how to communicate that message. It's, it's tough. It's like simple can be too simple sometimes. And sometimes what I think is simple is complicated. <laughs> and it's like, I, I find, I do find that one thing that does work well with sharing and content creation is trying to find a way for someone to like, to understand what you're saying and also to feel like they could do that too, because they, right. Like that's really what we've been saying this whole episode is like, they can, you can do all the stuff there's a starting point. Like it right. doesn't matter. You're like, you know what I mean? Like on hack started somewhere right? and he got to where he is and 
we've been through our trials and tribulations, injuries or whatever, and we're still going hard and we're still showing up and we're talking about the things that have helped us. And, you know, that's, it sounds easier said than done because we put that in the form of content where it like actually makes sense to people. Like that's pretty challenging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you're in your own, you're in your own situation, your own, um, you know, where you are physically, where you are, like, you know, who you're uh, coaching, et cetera. But then you have to like think back to people in completely different situations where you may have been a long time ago. It's not directly applicable. What does that person need to hear? And it's not always exactly the same message. That's yeah. It's that's um, definitely easier said than done. It's true, and a lot of people try to standardize things for everyone. And at yeah. the end of the day, we're all exponentially different. Like what yeah. works for someone may not work for you, and that's okay. And I think the part that's always like frustrating for me is, especially I'm not like a crazy lifter or anything, but how much there is this idea of like, Oh, like this little bit of butt wink that could destroy your back. This little like offset, go back to the basics. And you're like, very. a lot of times your body compensates in a way that is feels best for you and everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's amazing how many people have these stories that are like, Oh, I worked with this coach. I always used to squat this way, but then I hurt my back once and they blamed it on the way that I squat. So I had to reverse engineer everything in a whole different movement pattern. And it took a long, long time. But now I'm finally back to where I'm at. And I'm like, maybe they just led you down this long rabbit hole that like yeah, you kind yeah. of work through things normally. Because they're like, oh, you're just like, and it's maddening to watch people where it's this idea of like, you want to get people to this point where everyone, they're like, oh, you have to have a perfect ass to grass body weight squat you need to be able to do a pistol squat ass to grass before you can ever touch a bar barbell or whatever and you're like that's unrealistic for most people yeah Never. can i can i hold a barbell in front of me to counterbalance is that okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then people will be like oh you can't do lateral raises because then it's some sort of weird shoulder movement and somehow our yeah. shoulders are also can't, apparently can't do things too like all the time people will be like they're like, oh, it's just meant for this very limited range of motion. Like almost everything is this like little degree that they're like that end range, never go to that end range of movement yeah. and stuff. Never go to the full 180 degrees. Like always keep it a little bit like, and then you end up like, you see all these power lifters who like are so, so stiff. And then you tear your bicep because it's the first time your arms ever been fully extended is when you're on yeah. a deadlift with several hundred pounds, like. That's crazy. But it's it's kind of a part of it. Whenever people are selling overcomplicated solutions to things, there's always something behind it and everything half the time. Because it is this idea of like, I think for many people, it's almost this idea of that it creates dependence. If the only yeah. way you can learn how to squat well is from Squat University, like that's an instant, like that's how you get 2.8 million people who like every, and all of his posts all the time are full of comments of people like he changed their lives and was like so revolutionary. And you're like, that's crazy. If that's your, if that's your idea of like revolutionary fitness right there, but for the general <laughs> yeah. population. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's kind of where it, I think he does to a certain degree. He's not, he's not the worst defender, but with these people who want to create dependence, exactly like you're saying, I, I hadn't thought of it. And um, I hadn't thought of him in those terms, but you're exactly right. That's, that's what he's doing. And 
you'll see he does kind of cult leader um, MLM type tactic where he he kind of warns you against the competitors. You've got to avoid this. You know, don't go over here. Don't talk to these people. Kind of like how the folks that are selling the get rich schemes will always be sure to tell you, hey, you need to cut off any any negative person in your life. That's um, you know, anyone who's negative is not is not wanting you to spend you know thirteen thousand dollars on my program to get rich or whatever. You know, cut them out. Yeah, you, you got to kind of, you got to, yeah, if you want, if you want to keep people dependent, you have to make sure that they don't go the other ways that could potentially help you, you know, stay, stay dependent on my, on my shitty Romanian deadlift with a kettlebell coaching. Don't go over there and, and with those bad people doing Jefferson curls, because then you might get your back pain fixed and you don't come to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's so many people. It's crazy. And then the whole medical industrial complex is hoping that you'll end up dependent on their products to deal with your back pain uh, so they can sell you more opiates. It's, it's yeah, that, that depressing real fast. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, but I think things are waking up, though. I think one of the, um, I guess, one of the positive side effects, I think, as talked to people before about... Um, I don't know. I feel like the more we've talked about COVID on this channel, the more Google just doesn't like us. But like so many of the things, one positive thing I would say about a lot of the that stuff is that it woke up a lot of people. Is this idea you can see like a whole range of experts who are just patently wrong about things yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And a little bit of like kind of exploring things for yourself a bit more, because I think people are starting to realize like it's crazy. Almost every gym owner I know says that post-COVID, their numbers have been insane of people wanting to get in some mm -hmm. sort of fitness and shape. But it's hard if like the people you're seeing at the top are these people. Because in my mind, I realize that I'm in a small bubble because sometimes I'm like, oh, like, you know, like Atlas Power Shrugged. And people are like, who's that? And I'm like, what do you mean who's that? Like, the, like in my mind, you think that like it's easy to feel like this circle is – like everyone kind of knows these things, but you realize it's kind of like a niche, but it is starting to grow. Like Lucas, you've had now like over 200 some thousand followers. Like you have been doing this for like over a decade or yeah, so, like longer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sharing the message getting better, but it is, it's growing. And one of the, you know, one of the reasons it's growing too is because people aren't getting the answers from those influencers. From you know, it's like now they're realizing like shit. That's I'm still fucked up, and I'm still not really where I want to be. And yeah, I think a lot of people are also looking to just escape the bullshit. Man, there's just so yeah. much, and it's like you can move however you want, you can lift however you want, and you didn't feel like you have to do it way because someone just set it up that way for you right like ultimately you'll gravitate towards what you like and i think more people are liking the unconventional stuff because the industry has just created this bubble of like bullshit you know don't do this don't do that and i think we're all just retaliating back being like mm -hmm. you can do this and we will do this and this is how you do it and then you got like Atlas and I and manual and stuff like just like coming forward and being like, this is how we do things. And this is, you know, this is what helps us. And we still do all that shit. Nothing's holding us back, but we still keep going. So it's <clears throat> yeah, part of that, right. Is like people resonate with 
it's like, oh, these people are doing the opposite of what all these other people are saying, right? It's mm-hmm. like, because <laughs> yeah. it is, yeah. I think. yeah. Sorry. Uh, the, the, the good thing, what I want to add also is, um, I think we found also that what we like really are passionate about. And that's why we we do it so consistent and persistent in a way that we we feel like we need this to like mm-hmm. truly live our lives and have the life quality which we want mm-hmm. to have. And because we love it so much for us, it's not a burden or something. Mm-hmm. It even complements our life and it makes it better and easier for us to 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 do these things. You know, even if it's sometimes like um, hard and it takes time for some things because yeah, flexibility gains, strength gains, hypertrophy, uh, it takes time. Uh, but we are willing to do that because we love it and it it just makes a lot of fun you know compared to to like basic bodybuilding (laughs) it just makes a lot more fun than just going and chasing the pump or whatever yeah that's that's spot on and i think I i think i know we all feel that way but i think there's i think there's a huge underserved niche of people out there who need that and are looking for something like that because i mean you see so many people on there uh, you know out there who you know have, have been lifting you know five years you know six years ten years whatever the case may be and they've gotten to a certain point and they're they're they really like lifting and they're kind of ready to take it further but they're very disappointed in where they've gotten because it had it's just, it's kind of stagnated it's not super cool especially when you're oh it is it, you know it, it's not seeming so cool when you're you know compared to you know, somebody deadlifting 900 pounds or something. And, you know, that's who, that's who needs that kind of what else is out there? What else can I do? How can I still continue to increase my capabilities? And that's, you know, that's who we need to be. Um, That's kind of who the the target audience is here. Like, okay, there's, there's way more to this that I could be doing to improve things I haven't even considered. You know, I just come in lift weights. Wow. Like what could happen if I start, increasing my range and all like you know that you know that's where i think that's where a lot of um you know potential for these folks that are ready to commit to a certain level maybe not you know but maybe you know maybe don't want to go into one of the major clicks that there are because that that's kind of one of the big issues in the industry is it's just like you're kind of funneled down you need to starve yourself and put on a bikini and go compete in bodybuilding with you have to cut. You have to starve yourself to the point where you have striated glutes. If you don't have striated glutes, you're fat. You know, so just starve yourself for a while and then go put on a thong and compete. You have to. If you're not doing that, you're not a bodybuilder. You're not serious. Or you have to go, you know, do the same three lifts you've been doing for the past ten years. Except this time you're on a platform and like people are pretending to care. No offense. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure some people actually do care about power. Like, you know, but and you know, these guys never. They only, you know, we only train this exact way. We do not train the other way. Um, you know, that, that's not that's not fully satisfying everyone. I think there needs to be some some more options out there. Yeah. There do does because I think so many people. You'll see there's some local gyms that do it and stuff. How many people they're like, I made it my goal to do one bodybuilding show, and it's a miserable experience. You do this mm-hmm. awful prep. You go to like lifetime like PR of like low weight leanness. And then it's just like, it's not sustainable. So you just go back to doing whatever you did. 
because it's this like idea that like I'm just going to do this to prove a point. Whereas I think the thing that's starting to change is, I mean, we talked about it, like Atlas year training of that idea of like, you can't, most people can't afford to train for three hours intensely and everything. So you find what can I do in 45 minutes or an hour, like in a block? Cause so often it is this idea. People are told like, Oh, you have to do these things. If you have to do these 20 silly warm up movements that take 20 minutes, you have to do, you have to work up from an empty bar all the way up to this and then back down and then do a bunch of random accessories and then a warm cool down. That's like this arbitrary thing. And you look, most people, they're like, I just can't, I don't have time to go to the gym because I don't have two hours every day to commit. You're like, you're it's this limited thing. Every time I go in, I've got to work, I've got to warm up my way for a, you know, a heavy triple on either the back squat or the bench press or the sumo deadlift. And that, you know, that, that takes an hour out of your life right there. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I don't like heavy weights anymore because it, it means I have to take up more weight. Like, is, is there a way I can make it harder? You know, if I on the rare occasions when I do lift something over 500 pounds, it means I have to like call out the metal plates, switch plates, trying to get metal plates on, and that's that's a hassle. I don't like heavy weights. <laughs> well, I mean, anyway, obviously it's fun, but like. Oh God! Now I'm now I'm tired. Now I have to put the metal plates back. Oh my goodness! This is <laughs> so. Can we for please... my squat for my squat and deadlift? I, I have a, a solution for it because I have like 40 kilo plates. Oh yeah! So that's oh. it, it's <laughs> going pretty fast. <laughs> I do have some hundred pound deep dish plates here, and I think. Bells of Steel were kind of just trying to get rid of them. Four <laughs> of them. And I've only used them a couple of times, but uh, yeah, it's does make it a little easier, but it doesn't look as, you know, again, if I'm sharing on social media, someone's like, two plates. And you're like, no, I, I swear it's like 300 pounds. Or like, no. <laughs> That's why, what's his name? It's so viral. Like, uh, every literally every time he lifted, he'd do like chain set up improperly. But Liver King, his thing was he'd always yeah. lift with green plates interchanged with twenty five pound black plates. So the bar's always full, and like you do the math on it, you're like, that's actually not like not that <laughs> yeah. crazy. But he's doing like a deadlift with chains, but it's just one single band of chains, which like that variability of weight, like you're not mm-hmm. going to notice it. And but it looks cool though. It's like filling out those plates. And two, um, what like Dave Tate made a joke about it because they actually do just stack on the ten pound plates for like training, just because it makes the jumps easier. But people do of like the sad thing is we are in a click based economy and stuff. So sometimes it is that idea of like people would much rather hat see ten ten pound plates on the bar than two one hundred pound plates, which yeah. is just kind of a statement on things but that's i think the tide's slowly changing on those things and stuff because i think i think people have had enough of like people are looking for authenticity and stuff and so much of this is staged of like so many people now everyone in their mom has like they have lapel mics now they film with their dslr camera everything's like hd everything has the right captions on it it's this like this marketed thing this targeted thing of like oh, here's how you can do this and here's what looks cool. Whereas in reality, 
some of the best lifts and things you can do for yourself really don't look that impressive to other people unless they know. But it's like, it's one of those things that you do and you're like, uh, the pullovers and everything that you're saying, like they help your lats and stuff like things like that. They don't look as fun to people yeah. and stuff. It's like, if as far as they don't look as cool as like just having a cable machine and doing half the range of motion for your back or whatever mm-hmm. that people do those lat pull downs where the let the bar never comes like below your forehead line. So it's just like, it's nice little, like gets a good back pump. People are okay with that, but they're not okay with heavy shrugs these days, no. which is crazy to me. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. You know, the lat pull, I mean, is the lat pull down machine for anything other than just like, Getting the back veins showing for the influencer's video. I mean, it just seems like seems like what they use it for is just like let me get the veins pumped up so I can just do a back shot. I mean, we don't even see how much I'm lifting. Just, just you know, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> it it makes the money though, and yeah. everything. I realize we are usually Darren would be here to be like we're over time and everything, but I was like, it is great talking to you all and everything. I didn't know if each of you wanted to have closing thoughts or anything. No, I'll pass it to Atlas. You're right next to me. Um, closing thought. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think with the I think with the uh, authenticity thing you, you touched on. Yeah, we're getting into a point where I mean, kind of every market's doing this, but every market is kind of re- like rushing to you know an increased optimum. Like this, you want to do the fitness influencer success thing. Okay, it's been mapped out. This is how you do it. This is the approach. Like, you know, there I I'm sure there are people out there that are like handling these a lot of these people and like telling them this is what you do. I am sure I you know, we know Liver King had, you know, a, a marketing team and kind of a, a company that was helping him with that. And, you know, I think a lot of these people that are coming up are yeah, they, they know what they know what strategies work. They're just doing the exact same thing. I mean, we've got to be able to you know, just make the real thing look appealing, you know, it, in some way be able to, to compete with that. But, you know, I think that's that's not as hard of a that's not as hard of a challenge because at the end of the day, you know, where actual lifters are going to be able to come up with some cooler stuff than some you know, marketing team that probably doesn't even lift. I mean, you know, <laughs> a little bit strategic, um, like with my with my. Um, with that, that lift everyone's talking about the, uh, the, the the straight leg searcher. I knew if I just did the lift, that wasn't going to go anywhere. So I had to, um, I knew I was going to have to kind of post physique. So I tied it into like, hey, look, spinal erector hypertrophy. And then, you know, we had a funny little sound clip. I've, um, I've realized that if you just use whatever music you want on Instagram, like they're going to, they're going to go off of what song you pick. And if that song's not popular, your video's dead. So what I've had to do is like try to find ways to pick, to make like custom audio for all my all my reels, because if it's custom, Instagram doesn't realize you're using unpopular music and they, they don't penalize you for it, right? So I'm not like you'll you'll probably see a lot now. I, I'm trying to like find ways to shoehorn like custom music in, even if it's kind of unnecessary. And sometimes it falls flat, but sometimes it works really well. But I mean, you know, you just kind of have to um, you have to find ways to. Uh, you know, make it interesting and make it compete. Maybe make it a little controversial, get some um, yeah. get some controversy clicks that way. But, um, you know, I, I think the real thing, you know, can sell people. Because ultimately, you know, you, you can only look at some, you know, some teenager with broccoli hair posing by a Lamborghini. It looks the same. <laughs> you know, every, everyone from, I, I remember the, Z, the Z's days, 
you know, back back in the day when he busted on Finn. I mean, you know, every every teenage influencer has kind of had the same physique ever since these, and you know, like that's that's only going to stay interesting so long. I mean, you start doing some different things, and you know, you can catch a lot of interest, and a lot of people say, "Hey, this is this thing that I'm doing is cool, but I I want to take it to the next level." Like, how do I get there? You know, I, I think there's a huge audience out there who is serious about this and you know would like to be able to go to that next level i think you know we can you know, find interesting creative ways to reach them it's true because i think that is like that is the hard part i don't understand instagram's thing if they're like oh you followed this person we'll only show you their content if we think that you'll like it and i'm like no i followed them so i can see their content yeah. not because of their song selection thing because it's crazy to realize how many people as soon as one audio is good, it's just everywhere. It's the same slowed yeah. down song or same like slightly variation of things. And you just make the mistake of using a song that you think is a banger. Yeah. And they're like, well, only 300 reels have used this song. So we're not going to put it anywhere. Cause like, yeah, makes the song. Yeah. I, th I thought, I thought it was me for a while. Cause my reels were doing terribly. It's like, yeah, man, like are my lips not cool anymore. I thought, I thought for sure that was a cool lip, you know? <laughs> and then I realized, Oh no, it's that I'm a metalhead, and that's not what people, that's not what the, it's not um whatever that you know it's not one of those those um there's metalheads out there <laughs> it's not one of those Doja Cat, uh songs that keeps going viral so and i'm you know i'm not gonna put doja cat in any of my videos sorry so i've, I've got it but yeah when, when it's cut what i have the, the hack i found is when it's custom and they can't identify it they don't know what it is so they have to give you the benefit of the doubt so that's kind of the hack not to use um not to use their stupid viral music <laughs> but um, yeah that's a good one, though. People, I think, need to hear that. Because technically, I think their thing only picks it up if you use it for like more than 15 or 30 seconds. Then the copyright thing will do it. So I think that custom thing, because it is just the most bizarre thing of the algorithm. Just like it's not actually like I have friends like I have people who I mark as both favorites and close friends. And sometimes I still miss posts from them. And I'm like, there's this weird yeah. tier of subscribing. They're like like YouTube when they're like. You can subscribe to people to see their stuff. And then they're like, well, technically now you need to ring the bell. And like, yeah. now you actually should join them if you want to hear more. And you're like, wait, how many steps do I need to take to just yeah. see these people's thing? And I think the thing is like being unconventional is key and stuff because at the end of the day, modern life is kind of about streamlining and standardizing things yeah. to kind of just like an extent where ideally at like every company's logo is now simpler than it's ever been everything mm -hmm. starts to like look the same and i think that authenticity sticks out as long as the higher ups and the tech companies want <laughs> are okay with people seeing your stuff yeah yeah and they're not just like kind of down with that but yeah. uh yeah emmanuel did you want to add anything <sighs> Not really. It was a great chat with um, all three of you. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, maybe we'll get again eventually. It's true. That would be nice to see everyone. I saw, um, I'll see you at OSG. So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. I saw out in California, you did Alan Thrall's strongman thing, right? Atlas yeah. out there where you got to like hang out. I was like, that looked like the coolest hangout of like Wizard yeah, of Occam's. Yeah, that was like, a lot of fun. I haven't, um, I haven't, I haven't done a post on I need to post on I've, I've got such a backlog of stuff. Like, oh, I need to post on that. I've got a bunch of like, half-written essays, like videos from like three weeks ago that I was planning on doing something with. I got a, 
I got to put, yeah, that was, that was a ton of fun. It was a really cool show. I think I did the first ever Zercher deadlifts in strongman competitive history. Cause he actually had Zercher. He actually had Zercher's as the, um, so, so I know we're running over, but it was, it was actually, <laughs> um, cause, um, he, the way he set it up, it was just a Zercher lift. So you could do a deadlift or a full Zercher cycle, which is a cool strategic thing. Me and some other folks were thinking like, oh, it's deadlifts all the way because they're faster, right? It's a timed event, right? One minute. Got to do deadlifts. So I was thinking, let me do, you know, let me do some Zercher deadlifts, drop it, take a break, you know, do some more. Because, you know, I'm thinking back to CrossFit, you know, how we do conventional deadlifts. But turns out that's turns out that's actually pretty punishing because that first Zercher deadlift is really hard. I ended up getting beat by a guy who just did full Zercher cycles, just ripping them out super fast. I thought that wouldn't work. You know, I was like, nah, you're gonna you're gonna get crushed on time. You're not gonna be able to do it fast enough. But I was just super methodical, beat me by one rep. Which mad at myself. I didn't. Um, if I just switched doing full Zercher cycles at the end, like I could have done those for days and, and won. But yeah, I got outthought in a strongman competition. Also did an Arthur lift and. Hit myself in the back of the head with an axle bar. That was interesting. <laughs> axle bars are a lot harder to Arthur lift than deadlift bars. Lucas, you saw me struggling with a <laughs> with an axle bar Arthur lift. It was yeah, it's not easy. It's it's um, I mean, it worked better than me trying to zercher clean an axle. I don't know how to continental, so I was I, I did the lightest bar on zercher clean and then um, and then switched to Arthur lift. It was it was weird, but I didn't do well, but. <laughs> Yeah, at least I got some weights over. But, I but yeah, did. It was a lot of fun. That is real fun. I had uh, did a strongman competition last year. That the opening thing for the overhead press was like sixty kilos or whatever. So I did zer- did full zercher it to clean and then just strict pressed yeah. it. So everyone <laughs> there like that was the wildest way, the most <laughs> intensive way you could have done that whole process. But I was like, I'm just not an efficient cleaner otherwise. So yeah, I mean it works better than it, it, it you know with the with the axle, it's not actually the Zercher clean's not actually that bad. It didn't hurt my shoulders. Yeah. Like oh, it rolls because it rolls down nicely and you can just kind of like yeah. with a bar it's punishing, but with the with the axle bar, it's not it's not that bad. But dude, the craziest thing is they had an adaptive athlete um you know with, with one with one arm doing the axle clean and press. He was doing like a awesome good form, like like the old the old school clean and press where you have the uh overgrip. And you know he's just—I I can't even get my get my hand down to demonstrate. He's just catching on his shoulder like a like a regular two-hand clean and just jerking it overhead. It was sick. Like wow. the crowd was wild when he got his last rep, and that was that was really cool. I was—I mean—and you know me knowing how hard it is to actually do the overgrip clean, and then you have an axle involved. That's that was sick. Yeah, so it was a really cool. Thing. That does look cool. You definitely need to post from that. I was like, that was yeah, like, yeah, fun event. It's hard though if you have like a backlog of things and stuff. Yeah, and I didn't know. You know, I, then I then I get over analytical. Like, what angle am I going to go? What am I going to caption? And then <laughs> and then I get into oh well, you know what? I actually have other stuff I should be doing. <laughs> True. Like Lucas, do you have closing a nice little? We're not even closing. We could go however long people want. Because somehow Emmanuel's still going, and it's almost four a.m. there. So that he started I the call no at problem. two a.m. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Thank you for making it. That's quite I'm used to that. Wow. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. I think just cycling back around. I think the main topic we're getting at here is like you know there are a lot of people out there that aren't finding the answers they're looking for because they think there's only one way of doing things. And 
you know, with what you guys are doing, World's Strongest Opinions, with what Atlas is doing, and even Emmanuel's growing his story and reaching achievements that people just don't think you can do. And I think we there's an audience out there that want that. They're looking for that. And we just got to keep pushing that message out because, yeah, I mean, the industry is boring as fuck right now. If I'm being up. <laughs> yeah. I've been a trainer for almost 20 years and I'm seeing the same shit that I saw 20 years ago getting cycled into the algorithm. And I'm like, everyone's acting like it's brand new and they're clapping. And I'm like, man, this is some boring shit. And maybe it's exciting to revisit things like when you're bored or whatever, but there is so much more out there than what you're being shown. And a lot of it's lost, which is kind of sad. I think 95% of what I do now is kind of like lost stuff. It's like no one does this stuff anymore, even on the flexibility side. Like there's not many people teaching that stuff in that way. And I was actually looking at before I got on the call with you guys, I think this week I've been obsessed with the iron skill. You guys looked at that before the Shaolin iron skill. No, it's the skills of like, like, ironing your body so you're actually hitting your own body and hitting yeah. you know you're actually the iron palm you're you're punching the tree or the stone but the, the iron shirt you guys should look it up after this look up the iron shirt because the iron shirt is like training your torso to take so i've just been watching dudes just busting bamboo sticks over each other's necks and just they're just taking it <laughs> it's a whole another level of stuff but i don't know where i'm going with that but there's just so much more out there and uh i've even been playing with some of that lately and just warm-ups and stuff like not too intense but just like desensitizing with like actually like kind of hitting yourself a little bit um i don't know that might make for a weird post that's <laughs> <laughs> like what is it Games, that's that funny just punch yourself in the like. that's funny that, that you're mentioning that because i was uh, thinking about that already for like two years or three years when i or even longer because i remember when i started the stone lifting so the atlas stones without uh, stone sleeves the skin adapted after a while and it wasn't painful anymore and i applied the same concept on the giant dumbbell which when you are holding it here it really digs hard here into your skin, into your flesh, and even your bone. And the first few times, yeah, sure, it's painful. But after a while, your body adapts, and it, it's getting like the, the shins of um, like tight boxers or kickboxers. It's getting really hard, and you don't feel any pain anymore. So you can, every structure of your body, like really uh, harden or thicken up and like not feel any pain anymore. So... Uh, it, you can use that for strongmen as well. So <laughs> it's really funny you were saying that. The iron egg. The iron egg is an interesting one. I don't think I'm going to go that avenue, but iron, like taking one to the junk, like on. Oh, yeah. oh. That's <laughs> the one you you you're going with. They're crazy. But during, during COVID, I did. Uh, do some zoom sessions with a guy who had trained at the Shaolin and I just, it still has stayed with me. Like to this day, our warm up 
was like hitting the legs and hitting the arms and hitting the chest and like just hitting the body. So I'd be like hitting myself. He's like harder, harder, harder. Like we keep going. And I was like, man, this is actually like some good shit. Like I wasn't hurting myself too much, but you're giving yourself this stimulus. It's like desensitizing the body a little bit. And, uh, I'm, I still use it. Like, I mean, even power lifters, you know, I mean, it's a thing that hitting yourself to get j- jacked up or whatever, but like kind of, it, it goes, there's a lot of depth to it. Uh, and even on like bracing and contracting and like breath work, it, it goes pretty deep, but I don't think I'm going to get into the iron egg stuff unless, unless there's some kind of longevity component to it, but I don't think it, mm, not worth it. <laughs> it is, but I think, I think trying to like train across disciplines is good. And I think one of the, one guy who's been real interesting to watch over the past, like, I feel like six years now, I've been following him, um, Kyriakos Grizzly out there in Greece doing his like wild, uh, his just like Zercher shrugs he would do with like 300 kilos and stuff. Like, it's crazy to watch him go from like just a few thousand followers to now like half, like a quarter of a million people. But it's like people want to see unusual things and stuff. Because also what's insane to, so like his mobility when you like a guy that size being able to kick his leg up above his head like yeah, I was like, it's unreal i don't i don't understand it like watching him do almost he can do like a, almost a full split he'll just be like warming up and i'm like that's insane for being whatever his weight is full because his scale only goes to 200 kilos so he's just like you can always tell like it's funny to watch his weight fluctuate sometimes he'll weigh like 193 and then other times it's just full (laughs) that's but watching him like people do like those different things because it's it's weird to think we've gotten to the point that like being 10 percent body fat and having a luxury car like seems kind of boring on the internet these days like a portion of people probably like it but it is this idea of like i think it's interesting when you said like people are recycling ideas from 20 years ago when in reality like the smart thing was like louis simmons part of what made him so brilliant is he just went took the soviet training methods Mm -hmm. and translated it to english and i think there's a lot that we still haven't seen because i think in a way, there's a lot of like mental limitations people put on themselves of like, oh, this is just this is how the body's meant to work or whatever. These ideas of like Atlas is great at pioneering the stuff of like so many people. They're like, oh, I'm over 30. My testosterone is declining. I'm just on TRT. Like you have to be on TRT if you're over 40 or over 50. Like you just have to and everything as if there's like not other ways to do things. But I think part of it is this like dependence of just recycling things of right right now if you guys have a chance to see it the movie the creator was actually surprisingly decent for just being like an original story but so many things are just like recycled ideas now at this point of like 20 years of training is a long time to be a personal trainer and i think people don't oftentimes like see how you get to that journey and i think there's always stuff you can learn from other people Cause the craziest thing is just like seeing someone do something different and being like, cause that's all I do is just like generally just like, I see something fun and I'm like, I'm going to do searchers until somehow I tore my meniscus, which was the silliest way to do it. And I told the doctor it was deadlifting. I didn't want to explain the whole process. of how yeah. I got there. They're like, they're like, I've never seen someone. They're like, you're doing sumo or conventional. I was like, it was somewhat conventional. Like, 
I was like, it's a bit of both, but I think it's interesting to like what's fascinated me about your work and seeing so many other people now, like William Sue with his behind the back curl that I've been trying to do. I still need to work on that thoracic mobility because apparently I push my hips through too much. But we were trying to got some people doing that. And it's crazy what people don't even know they're capable of. One of our sponsored athletes, Tyler Davis, he, I don't know how he did it, but he literally, I don't think he even did the empty barbell. Like our goal was 95 pounds and he just like had was warm after his workout. And he just like sent, our friend Jeremy a video and was like, is this what you guys were trying to do? And he did it his first try, the first time ever doing the movement with 95 pounds. And I was like, that's insane. But yeah. it's, it's like, it's if you limit yourself, you're going to live within those limits. If you decide like, well, I'm just too old to train or I'm too old to this. Or when people, they'll just be like, oh, I'm just immobile. As if it's not like a skill. It's like being like, oh, I just don't, I just don't know how to read. So I don't. You're like, no one's born knowing how to read, but we have a portion of the fitness community that will genuinely convince you that you shouldn't be reading unless like you picked up a book and understood part of it the first time. And you're like, it's not sustainable, but yeah, it's what sells though. People like dogmatic, weird ideas. You brought up the testosterone levels. I mean, everyone would say like the old timers only did what they did, what they did because of their testosterone levels, which were, like enough to kill a bull shark, apparently. <laughs> I really think the biggest advantage they had is just that there was nothing out there already. And they so they knew they had to figure it out. Like they didn't think, oh, here's a place I can go for answers. Like they know it's just them and their buddies. Like, what can we figure out? How can we figure out a way to develop this? What can we do? What's I've got this biggest weight I have is a 300 pound barbell. What's the coolest thing that I can do? What's the best way I can show that show off with this? Let, let me figure out, you know? Just yeah. I mean, then- we just you, everything is channeled in certain ways now, whereas they just have, you know, the sky's the limit. Like, what can I figure out? That's going to be cool. And yeah. if I do, I'm going to get paid a lot for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. True. Cause they did wild things before their steroids. You have like videos of like people squatting horses and doing these like wild things, mm-hmm. just like normal size looking people, just like you just throw a sheep on your shoulder and just carry it and stuff. This idea of like, I think it's interesting when you think of, for one, we've taken manual labor out of the equation because so many people, it's like, I think we'd all, there'd be a lot less back entries if everyone had to weed their yards and yeah. stuff. Like, it's interesting how many of those simple things of like now, some people have like, it's like a small thing, but people are talking about how like you used to have to go and get the paper off your front step. So every old person every day was at least doing that kind of range of motion. Mm-hmm. And now you just sit in a recliner. And just like, then you get in your little electric scooter and then you go somewhere. We've kind of just like taken motion out of the equation unless you do it. And then half the stuff that's out there is just recycling the same concepts. So it's always exciting that like, like uh, many times I'm from Romania. So I'm born in Romania and many times we are over the vacation there. And uh, many times when we are driving through Romania, I'm seeing many, and Romania is still like um, uh, very old school and not so modern, especially the small villages. And when we're driving through, we're seeing like many older grannies, let's say like that. They are like in a full pike, you know, so that their legs are completely straight and they're fully flexed over and are working on their flowers or whatever. So they, 
their mobility is insane, you know, and like they're like 70 or 80 years old and still like extremely mobile. That's crazy. Yeah. That is. Now it makes sense when you said I had some plates lined up like the Romanian flag and then you were like, that's my flag too. And for a brief second, I looked up the Austrian flag and was big. <laughs> so it's like, that makes sense because you, it, all of us have seen Lucian's videos and it's just oh, like yeah. farm equipment just out there, just like... <laughs> These things and like seeing what he can do, like naturally his new grip things of like just needle nose pliers, 200 yeah. kilos, just like on yeah, straps, yeah. like, and then the <laughs> hammers, 551 pounds of hammers. You're like, he just makes it work. But I think it's this kind of this idea of we've all like moved away from those things because it yeah. is like, um, I was born in East Africa when my family is working over there and you see people like carrying insane loads on their heads and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it was interesting to, you'd have the videos of women literally just carrying like almost like logs that looked like the size of a telephone pole, just balanced on your head and everything. And you have people here right. who are somehow afraid of getting bulky on 25 pound dumbbells. <laughs> like, people, wow. the body adapts to what you, the container it's put in kind of. And so many people, you kind of limit yourself is this idea of like, you have to be on testosterone replacement therapy. You have to do this kind of thing. You have to do these. You have to, you have to master an astrograph bodyweight squat so you can do a barbell squat, which is crazy. You're like so many people like that scares them if they're like you, this idea that anything could injure you. So it's neat to like see those things because when you travel around the rest of the world, a lot of people still just carry things. And you realize yeah. here almost no one carries things. You get your groceries yeah. delivered to you. Like you're not having to carry all your day's worth of water or whatever in buckets. So I was like, maybe if if the power grid ever went out, it might not be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Take a little break from it. Well, I, I live in LA, so I don't know about that. I, well, have, some, I have some ammunition stockpiled, but not enough for that. Oh, true. <laughs> LA is like, that's a wild place. I'm yeah, like, I <laughs> I like but, it's crazy. But yeah, you're a, Canada sounds pretty dope, though. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Try to get out here. It's pretty chill. Like, I don't know. It maybe isn't as um, old school as Emmanuel's Romania, but. Yeah. I mean, most people in Canada don't even know what I do. So <laughs> big following in Canada. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, why do people care about what you're doing? I'm like, I don't know. I was, you know, on social media, like, so it's, it is a funny place. Like we're, we're always behind on a lot of things here. Uh, I've always, yeah, I've always seen it that way. Like working in the industry for so long is like, I'll kind of be like, done with something and then just reaches Canada and you're like, Oh man, really? Everyone's just, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I'm in Nova Scotia. So we're East. Like we're really far. East. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really rural and quiet and uh, I do like it. I, I'm kind of an introvert in a way, I guess, as I get older <laughs> and introverted. Social media is making me just communicate with people online and that's it. <laughs> it's true. That is the beauty of like all of this internet communication. Cause sometimes it's easy to like talk about the dangers of social media and stuff, but this is only possible because of like the internet and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's good to have those reminders. Cause it's easy to be like, cause I think, and that's the, as the stuff slowly spreads, it's going to get out there more. 
and everything. Because I remember the first time Zach Tellender showed off Atlas doing his lifts and everything and Mark like doing their stuff. I was like, this is wild. And so many people, it was this like unusual thing and stuff. Like some people have really taken off like Mikey, maybe me and stuff with his just like outright. This stuff does seem dangerous with the chains and the skateboards. <laughs> I'm like, that is squatting 315 on a skateboard and then trying to ollie. That actually does seem actually dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, He's done it though, but yeah, it was great talking to you all and everything. I was like, well, I'll go over the logistics of everything after, but yeah, it was great seeing you all. Everything. I'm going to. Fun. It was a nice yeah. chat. It was fun. I was, I was really glad we did this. Thanks for seeing up. I'm impressed. Yeah. Thank all you, right. guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and follow us on Instagram for updates. We'll catch you next time on World's Strongest Opinions.